Welcome to the No More Mondays podcast. We are excited to let you know that season three is debuting next week. So mark your calendars, subscribe, set a reminder, whatever you need to do to remember to tune in. The upcoming season of No More Mondays features two core themes. First, we're sharing stories from people doing big things in big arenas. All of the upcoming season's guests feature unique conversations with people who have found success by going big. Maybe that means working in a big corporation. Maybe that means making a big move. Or maybe that means standing out in a niche arena. Regardless, we've curated some amazing conversations with employees and entrepreneurs to inspire you to set goals, take action, and seek mentorship. That's the second theme you'll see in the upcoming season. We hope it inspires you to seek out mentors and mentees who can help you stay accountable to your goals and vice versa. It is a huge part of the successes all of our guests have seen throughout their careers, so we thought it was pretty appropriate to highlight this as we share these really big conversations and huge wins. And one last teaser, don't fast forward through rapid fire. We're changing it up to make it even more interesting and informative. And to get you warmed up, we're sharing an encore edition of one of our favorite episodes from season two. Please help me welcome once again, Riccardi Grandois, who, so appropriately as we roll into the theme of season three, is making big waves to inspire change in a very big pond, Major League Baseball. Welcome to the No More Mondays podcast, the show that inspires confident professionals by interviewing people who actually enjoy what they do for work. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with founders, entrepreneurs, and employees who have figured out that special sauce, the magic, the mystery to having no more Mondays. Hello, listeners, and welcome to everybody's favorite, the No More Mondays podcast. As always, I am super excited you decided to join us for this episode I've entitled Finding Meaning in the Matrix. Of course, for some of us, that invokes pictures of little green and red pills. But in this case, I'm talking about today's guest, Riccardi Grandois. He has an impressive track record of developing successful programs in large scale matrix organizations I can assure you've heard of. In 2015, Riccardi was recruited to MLB, yes, Major League Baseball, to head up career transitions, off-the-field player development efforts, and mission-driven awareness programs for incident response and prevention education. His multifunctional role includes everything from strategic planning to employee relations, communications, and program development, where he's impacting players and communities through professional development and community-building efforts. Living at the intersection of corporate social responsibility, diversity and inclusion, and major league sports, Riccardi is driving change at a systemic level and helping that spread throughout communities thanks to the influence and visibility of something like major league baseball. As someone who grew up in a baseball lover's house, I'm excited to chat sports, change management, and all the things to come with today's guest. Coming to us from my old stomping grounds of Boston, Massachusetts, let's welcome to the show Riccardi Grandois. Hey, Angie. Hi, welcome to No More Mondays. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Uh, so Riccardi and I first met a few months ago when we just started kind of a professional conversation. And when we were curating this year, this season's podcast, we really wanted to focus on diversity and inclusion in a lot of forms, both um, just from people 
and divert in what we classically know as diversity, but also kind of careers and impact. And I feel like you are quite literally representative of diversity and inclusion in what you do and just your own background. So I'm excited to dig more into this. And I, I would love to start by having you kind of tell everybody what you're involved in in your role at MLB. And it's got a lot of moving parts. So break that down for us. Yeah, Angie, I think um, a lot of moving parts is a great way to describe my role at MLB. Um, so I lead up a number of different initiatives for the league. Particularly, I focus on the prevention, education, and basically anything related to the league's educational efforts with respect to policies. Um, policies isn't something that's exciting that people like to talk about, but for me, it does uh, speak to how I got to MLB and what I do specifically for MLB. So right now I design curriculum um, on on topics that MLB is looking to address, specifically topics like gender-based violence prevention, healthy relationships, um, and also curriculum on, you know, uh, supporting players as they think about using their brand off the field and what that looks like for them. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to be here because again, my, my role at MLB is, you know, really one that is all encompassing because I wear so many hats as many folks actually in my group do. Well, I think it's really interesting because you and your group are really driving a whole behind the scenes aspect to something very visible and known to us that we really don't usually think about. And that's I think that's really interesting and, and really cool for people to think about this like whole aspect of, you know, major league sports that we don't even think about, like educating, um, you know, the top the top center fielder and how to go out and do endorsements or in something so relevant to major league sports about like domestic violence and those kinds of things. So I think it really brings a new perspective to something we otherwise think we know really well. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, um, you know, for 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 me, again, part of how I got to the league was um, as a result of league recognizing that, okay, we need to, we need to educate all players on particular issues that are relevant and important in society. So um, in 2015, the first ever policy was created to address domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse. And, you know, my journey in getting to where I am today at the league was one that wasn't um, necessarily a direct path because when the league created this policy, they had, you know, consulted with a number of organizations that are, you know, experts in the space of domestic violence prevention education, and they wanted to make sure that they were doing it right. So they had um, a group called Futures Without Violence really um, lead the initiative in providing training to players. And so I had the opportunity at the time, I was working at Northeastern University um, to be a consultant. Um, and through the uh, university, uh, we were one of the groups that worked with Futures Without Violence to go out and work with the players on, you know, leading these conversations around gender-based violence prevention, why it's important, why healthy relationships are important, how to manage relationships. And it's evolved since then. And so you know, this wasn't something I set out to do because I don't think the league even knew what this was going to look like in, you know, six years. And I'm and I've been here for just about six years. And I'm happy to say that it's been an evolving process. I want to take a step back. You kind of have opened the door and give us a little tidbit in how this how you got here, which takeaway. This is a recurring theme around No More Mondays for people who have found cool work is it wasn't like a tunnel vision goal. It kind of like evolved to you getting here. But get, walk us through that evolution almost even a little far back about kind of how your career evolved into even the consulting work that led to MLB. So how'd you get here? Yeah, that's a great question. So my professional background is in dialogue facilitation and specifically curriculum design. So prior to MLB, I worked for Northeastern University's 
Center for the Study of Sport and Society, which is a mouthful for people to say. The center really was focused on bringing former athletes together to talk about issues in society, which includes, you know, again, gender-based violence prevention, uh, diversity, inclusion, bullying, racism, and all of that. And so for me, while working at the center, I had the opportunity to lead a lot of um, efforts with students across the state. So working at the high school level, uh, particularly, again, student athletes, using them as as, as leaders through a, a train-the-trainer model where those students would get trained in our curriculum, go out and work with their fellow peers and addressing issues of, again, anti-bullying, anti-hazing. For me, again, it wasn't a straight path to where I am, but I think that opportunity in working with, with students across the state and then even colleges as well across the country on these issues of, of gender-based violence prevention, um, anti-bullying, anti-hazing, it, it really opened the door for me in, in terms of interests um, in this space and learning more about what I can do because I knew I, I always wanted to work in a space where I, where I got to work with people and help people kind of look at things from a different perspective and really see what what um, what role they can play in addressing you know some of the real issues in society. So this this has been an interesting path for me. <laughs> Well, and, oh, interesting. You actually segued perfectly because I, I wanted to talk about impact for a second. And if you can reflect on the past six years, where where do you really feel like you're like, oh, wow, we've had an impact or like what's really what are you proud of as you as you've really created this from the ground up program? What it like what is what sits on your heart is like, man, we did that kind of a thing. Yeah, no, I appreciate that question. I think for me, it's having had the opportunity to see how people react to, uh, say, me walking in the room to say, hey, folks, we're here to talk about healthy relationships. You know, I think uh, five years ago or six years ago, folks may have been kind of hesitant to kind of even talk about the issue because for them, they might see it as, well, are you assuming that I'm, you know, going to be an issue in, in the context of being an abuser? Or do you assume that I, I do these things in my life? Or, you know, where are you coming from? And I think, uh, given, I think the approach we've had over the years in addressing these issues and, to, you know, really engaging folks in the conversation from a preventative end, from a bystander uh, perspective, it's really allowed folks to feel like, okay, you're really here to help me feel empowered in addressing and talking about these issues as opposed to pointing fingers and saying, hey, you're a problem or, hey, you know, uh, you're going to do these things and I'm here to stop you. Um, so kind of going back to your question, I think it's, it's just the evolution of, of how people respond to say me walking in the room to have the conversation with them. And it's, and a lot of this, it sounds like has come because, you know, let's give MLB some credit for being proactive around this bigger initiative to address something they saw emerging, you know, as an issue instead of really reactively going backwards and saying, Oh my gosh, we have to kind of take care of this. So um, it sounds like their timing was good and they definitely found the right person to kind of drive that big picture evolving, evolving program that has a lot of moving parts. Yeah, exactly. And to your point about moving parts, like I said, you know, we wear many hats in my group um, and just, I think, I, I, I don't want to speak for other folks at, at the league, but I think it's just the nature of what we do where, you know, we, we recognize that, okay, if we're going to get in front of players and talk about these issues, we have to do it at different stages of their career. So fortunately for our group, again, our focus is prevention education. And so, you know, we work with, you know, kids in the uh, Dominican Republic academies, right? Starting there, we work with kids who are just signed um, and we continue to meet and um, engage them in, in, in the conversation around, you know, what do healthy relationships look like? Along with, like I said, with a number of other topics, just to give you an example, you know, we do a, a, a 
diversity, equity, and inclusion topic, which looks at, you know, why it's important to respect um, different uh, folks that you work with, which might happen to be women in the clubhouse, right? Um, and so we really are looking at every aspect of player development in terms of off the field development um, to make sure that they're really prepared to, you know, be professionals. In a way, this isn't something you set out to do, but I, I imagine just from your actual literal background, this this hits home and you have to bring everybody up to speed on just kind of like yes. your your early your early childhood and why kind of diversity, equity, inclusion aligns with just you, you as a human. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my, so my undergrad degree was actually in criminal justice at Northeastern University. And also my master's happened to be in um, management, but with a focus on higher education. So I really gravitated towards education as a child and even as, as I, you know, continued my schooling. And so, uh, the interest for this type of work has always been there. The way or how I landed, you know, where I am today in this role is a short version is when MLB first created the policy, they, they were intent and, and really working with, uh, again, the experts in the space. They didn't just say, oh, we want to create a policy and we're going to make it up, right? So they brought in, you know, folks from, say, the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence to inform the policy. You know, I referenced the group Futures Without Violence to support the policy. And so for me, again, as a, as a individual, um, whatever work I do, uh, I try to be intentional in how I do it. And if it's, if it's being done for an organization where I, you know, align with their values and it really, you know, comes pretty natural for me to, to, to um, really invest in the work. So again, going back to your question, I think I've always been interested in this space, even to go as far as, you know, way back in like fourth grade when, uh, you know, they had the, um, the medi mediator program at my school. I happened to be one of the kids that was selected to do that. So I think I've always had an interest of engaging people mm -hmm. in conversation, trying to find common ground and really, uh, yeah, I, I just, I just think we all have good in us and, uh, I feel like we all just need the platform to promote that. Well, and uh, to bring something full circle, you actually, there was a tiny tidbit in there where you talked about finding, finding a, a program and an, an environment that's value aligned. And if y'all go way back to the very first episode of No More Mondays Ever, where we talked to Sean the Roaster, that's a conversation that he and I have around finding satisfaction in his work because he kind of, he was very intentional about finding something value aligned. And I think whether or not you go out and seek it or you're lucky enough to land there. It's a really key area to feeling like you're in the flow of your career and kind of having that impact, even if you're not quite literally making impact like you are. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And a lot. So the great thing about the, again, the, the, the group that I work with in at baseball is that we get to essentially create new programs every day. So like, for example, we'll say, okay, we've identified that um, career transitioning sh should be something that, that, that players are thinking about even before they leave the game. And we'll say, okay, let's do an evaluation or an assessment of what exists. Well, where are the gaps? And then from there, we start creating programs to support that. So for us, like, we get really excited about just the potential to like create programs that support goals and objectives that we, we recognize um, are important to people. And one of the other reasons I love this conversation is that corporate social responsibility as a larger career path is very trending um, right now. And there's a lot, I, I have a lot of interest from clients in exploring it and moving into it because it is so very relevant in society. So I would love for you to kind of give the people out there that fall into that category, a little piece of advice. So, you know, what would you say to people who are looking to break into this kind of you know, impact driven area of the world. Yeah. You know what? I think I've given this a lot of thought because I, 
I always think about again, um, how I got here and how it was so accidental, I like to say. Uh, I'm a victim of uh, accident, accidental circumstance. That yep. happens to be good accidental circumstance. Door opens, but, walk through it. Door opens, exactly, walk through it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's a great, it's a great career side. plan. I followed it too. <laughs> Don't also be outside, exactly, but yeah. walk through it. Um, so the advice I would give is this, right? Um, I think identify your interest area. And if you have a company that you feel like you would want to work for or to do that in, maybe create an outline of what that could look like. Because a lot of the initiatives and efforts that, you know, I get to work on are based on things that, again, I say, you know, I, I see a gap for and I say, okay, well, I can either say here, here's a gap and give no solution. And then, you know, nothing gets done. Or I can present some sort of action plan. So sometimes it's as easy as saying, okay, you know what? Or not necessarily easy, but finding that, okay, there's a company or an organization I want to work for. I see a gap there. I'm going to create a plan for them and just present it. Whether or not they are willing to accept it, just present it. You can go out and create your own opportunity. If, if we had video on, you would see me like jumping up and down right now because it's it's. So I think it wasn't it Dave Thomas, founder of Wendy's, who was like, "Build it and they will come." And it's it's true that you don't necessarily have to wait for opportunity to exist to create an opportunity that can exist. Um, and so taking the initiative to kind of. Get, because you're exactly right that because corporate social responsibility as a bigger as a bigger initiative is. I would say newer um, mm -hmm. and growing. A lot mm -hmm. of companies haven't created or set aside the resources really dedicated to it, which means there's a lot of opportunity to walk into a company and say, hey, I have this idea for you. Here's how you could start your start your program, even if it's as simple as something employee engagement driven. So you don't necessarily have to wait for opportunity to come knocking. You can knock on it. 100%. And just, you know, bring it even, drive it home even more. So again, you know, you mentioned in the outset that I also do some consulting work. Um, there is a company that um, one person at the company recognized that they wanted to make diversity, equity, and inclusion a priority for the company. And the person, you know, realized that, you know, those, those uh, uh, support or framework that would support that initiative didn't exist. And they said, you know what, I'm going to look for somebody to help me do this. And so they, they reached out to me randomly and was like, here's what I'm thinking. How do you, how do you propose I approach, you know, senior leadership to engage them? And I gave them some talking points and it took three months for that person to get back to me and say, yeah, I think we're moving, but we're moving slowly. And then Long story short, it's been like six or seven months and that person is slowly making progress at the company based on the fact that they identified a need. Uh, they found out how they would want it to, you know, look at the organization with some guidance and they're now proposing and it's moving along. You gotta love it. The other thing I want to tell everybody out there is like, you're not, you're pretty young for having this level, have, have achieved this, in, in my opinion, to have achieved this, this level. So mid thirties, and you're pretty much like really performing at a very high level, both within MLB at a, at, at that stage of influence. And also even in these consulting uh, engagements where you really reinforced yourself as kind of a subject matter expert. And, um, I want to congratulate you on that. But I also want that to be inspiration for everybody out there that you don't you don't have to be 50 with 30 years of experience to have influence. You have to have results and strong perspective and the wherewithal to go through the doors when they open. One hundred percent. I yeah. agree with that, Angie. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about you as a person, because it's, it's interesting to me that the work you're in is very personal, but I'm sure that you have things that round you out. So what are you up to when you're, um, you know, not keeping plates spinning? 
<laughs> well, as a person, I am a father, so I have two kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was. I have a six-year-old and a, um, a two-and-a-half-year-old. Um, and I am a husband. And as a, I think everything that I do is informed by my family and what I want my kids is to, you know, see me as, um, as, as their father. And also just generally, you know, how I want them to start thinking about what they can do. Because for me, I feel like, you know, I'm always telling my friends this as well. It's, you know, you don't have to set limits for yourself. Um, even in your work, um, you know, if, if you feel like you can, you can, you can, get your value elsewhere, go elsewhere <laughs> or at least explore. Um, but yeah, so I think as a, you know, for me, I, I really, I really let my, my inner circle, my family, my friends influence how I operate and what I do. We talked to a lot of moms who manage the crazy, like work high level, um, you know, just kind of senior level of their career. I don't know that I've had a podcast guest yet who's a dad of a young family who manages all those things. So talk to me about kind of like routines, habits, little pearls of wisdom that you've kind of brought into your day to day to manage those two really big roles. Yeah. So I have the fortunate opportunity um, to work remotely um, most times, um, which means that my kids get to see me a lot. Um, And because of that, I think, you know, I I, I recognize that because I am working remotely, um, I can take, you know, 10 minutes to, you know, go outside during the summertime to watch them play in the pool or whatever. Because again, I have that that amazing flexibility of being home. Um, I also have the opportunity to not have to, you know, come home at like seven and only spend like five minutes with my two and a half year old whose bedtime is, you know, seven, seven thirty. So managing, and I'm, you know, I'm one of those people again, who I, I get involved in everything that I do, which includes parenting. I'm, I'm a very involved, uh, uh, parent. And I think, you know, even to the point where like, you know, my friends will joke and say, Oh, are you babysitting tonight? I'll say, no, I'm parenting tonight. (laughs) I'm not babysitting. I'm parenting. It's called solo parenting, but I'm parenting tonight. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think, the balance is really, really, I think, you know, uh, managing your time and managing your time well, and also understanding that sometimes you, you have to prioritize what's important to you. It's, it's a great tidbit that to me reinforces my perspective, which is you figure out what your life needs are and then you design your career around them. And we're so bad in this country about doing it the opposite way so that you do get home at seven Oh five and kiss the kid goodnight before they go to bed. And it, it I, I encourage you that even if you're not in that situation now, you have the space to make to make those to reprioritize is what I would, would, would really kind of challenge. Do you take your kids to baseball games? So <laughs> my kids weren't quite the short answer is not yet. Not okay. yet. Um, uh, but that most certainly is in the future. That's say, they're young for say they're young for Fenway. Yeah. <laughs> So let's learn a little bit more about you. One of the fun things that we do on No More Mondays is we play a little game of rapid fire. Don't worry, none of them are very hard and it's usually not very rapid because we will likely squirrel on every question. But (laughs) be ready, here we go. Let's do it. Star Trek or Star Wars? Oh, Star Trek. No way, we finally got one! (laughs) Woo! You are officially the first uh, No More Mondays guest who actually chose Star Trek. And my in-laws are all cheering right now because they're Trekkies and everybody says Star Wars. Yes, Luke Picard, Captain Luke Picard. God, have you, Squirreling, have you, have you watched it? Have you watched Picard? I have not. I have not. It's really good. It got renewed for three years and it's, it's excellent. Um, There's some good cameos that you'll appreciate if you like Star Trek. 
Um, favorite candy? Mentos, but the fruit flavor. And let me let me give a quick reason why for that. So when I travel, that's my go-to snack. Because I'm looking at you kind of funny right now. I don't <laughs> think anybody ever says Mentos. Isn't that the one? Oh, no, I'm thinking of Necco wafers that are made in Boston. I'm like, aren't they made in Boston? But that's Necco wafers. Uh, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? A scientist. I didn't really know what that meant, but I just said scientist. Whenever I, I felt like they were important, scientists. <laughs> Give us a great book recommendation. So it's Chanel Miller's Know My Name, which is a book about uh, Chanel Miller, who um, is a survivor of uh, sexual assault. And she, you know, really kind of tells her journey of by finding herself and going through the process of dealing with being a survivor of sexual assault. Um, You might have heard of Brock Turner. He was the person who actually committed the sexual assault. Okay. Um, I'm a big fan of memoirs and those kind of uh, the stories of overcoming. So great suggestion and a lot different than some of our, some of our recommendations here. So I'm excited to add that one to the list. Um, And speaking of sports, other than baseball, what's your favorite sport? You know, the interesting thing is, Angie, I loved playing sports growing up, but I don't necessarily watch Watch. sports. So if the question is what sport did I really enjoy playing growing up, I would say I enjoyed playing soccer growing up. I don't know why. That's what I would have guessed. (laughs) I just get that. I get the soccer. I get the soccer vibe. It's the island vibes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But uh, I don't really watch professional sports. So I... Yeah. To be honest, if I was immersed in that every day, I don't know that I would either. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of being a kid, what was your favorite childhood TV show? Ooh, so many. Uh, X Men. Uh, yeah, let's go with X Men. X Men's a good one. Yeah. But that was a TV show. Yeah. Anim- and they made all the movies too. Yeah, yeah, it was an animated series. Saturday mornings. Huh. I'm going to have to go check that out. And I ask a lot of questions about food because I love food and I'm generally always hungry. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Pistachio. Yes. Talenti pistachio. Yes. It's the best. I actually, I may have bought that a few week, a week or two ago. And ugh, I love a good pistachio ice cream. And of course, this is a show about Mondays. So we always end rapid fire with asking you the first word that comes to mind when I say Monday. Chance to start fresh. Okay. Fre- uh, first word, uh, fresh. Fresh start. Fresh. <laughs> okay. Well, you can, I would say if, we could either hyphenate that or just. Yeah. Hyphenate this, it. Fresh start. Fresh start. Talk to, talk to me about why. Why does Monday give you a fresh start? I don't know. I feel like when I think of Mondays, I think, okay, well, this is when I'm going to get to start working out again. I'll, I'll do it on Monday. That's a fresh start, right? <laughs> or uh, when I have, you know, something that's been pending, I'm like, I'll do it on Monday. It's a fresh start. <laughs> so, yeah. It's kind of like <laughs> our, in, the profe- in the professional world, it's like the me- it's the mental reset. I want to know if there's ways listeners can contribute to the programs and efforts you're working on with Major League Baseball. How can we get involved? You know, listeners can get involved by actually uh, re- looking into their local domestic violence shelters and seeing what services, uh, resources that they might need. Um, because one of the things that, you know, I, I, I actually also sit on the board of the Jane, um, Jane Doe Inc., which is a Massachusetts coalition against domestic violence and sexual assault and organizations like that can always use support, whether it's financial support or otherwise. So I would say listeners look into your local, uh, domestic violence organizations and see how you can support, whether it's a donation of $5, $20, $200, whatever you can give. Yeah. Um, Volunteering. Yeah, you whatever clean, it would is. you clean out your closet and kind stuff? Exactly. Yeah. So whether it's and, and whether you're, you know, connected to this particular mission that MLB supports around domestic violence or another mission, just get involved, I think is a great, a great way to be part of the change. 
And uh, one last thing before I ask the last question is I would love to know how listeners can connect with you and follow your journey in the professional world. Yeah. So LinkedIn is what it's going to be. I am. I don't use social all that much. So I'm not only I'm not on uh, Instagram or um, Twitter. Uh, and I think Link, LinkedIn is an excellent place to follow somebody's professional journey. Yeah. We'll link that in the show notes. And uh, you can always you can always find Riccardi connected to me as well. Um, but we always love being able to support and kind of share in your accomplishments and the great work that you're doing. Thank you. And of course. All right. Here it's time. For the last big gold nugget, there's lots of little pearls of wisdom through this whole conversation. I've loved it. It's this has been like, I feel like I could ask questions and and talk into this stuff all day long. But I want to know what your number one piece of advice is on what our listeners can do to get one step closer to that value aligned, enjoyable career that everybody wants. wants. Yeah, one piece of advice. Uh, Just take a step back and analyze what you're doing versus what you want to be doing. And if it doesn't align, um, recalibrate, try Change again. It. I yep. love it. That's a great piece of advice. A lot of times I ask, one of the first things I ask new clients is what isn't working. And I think a lot of times we're hesitant to kind of go in reverse in order to go forward. It's even true from a business perspective, like that slow down to speed up kind of mentality is not necessarily ingrained in our heads, but it can be very good to kind of getting perspective and taking stock of the situation. So you can change what isn't working. Excellent piece of advice. And thank you so much for just sharing your story, all the great work you're doing. I really, I think this is going to be a great inspiration to listeners just because of the relic, like the, the relatability of something like the, the industry that you're in, but just also you've taken a great career path to follow opportunity as it's presented itself. And it's landed you in a great spot of flow and, and kind of value alignment and congratulations. And thank you for sharing. Yes, of course. It was uh, great to be here to just share my experience. And um, yeah, I, I appreciated the opportunity. Totally. And Riccardi, thank you again for being part of our show and joining the No More Mondays movement. As always, we love hearing from people who are enjoying what they do for work and in their lives. And you are definitely no exception. And for those of you out there listening, I would love, love for you to subscribe to No More Mondays and leave us a five-star rating wherever you subscribe to your podcast, because it is a huge help as we continue to inspire confident professionals everywhere with amazing stories of people enjoying what they do, just like Riccardi. If you'd like to leave us comments, feedback, or drop guest suggestions, please visit us online at nomoremondays.info. Thanks for listening to this episode of No More Mondays. We hoped you grabbed some great insights to help you improve your professional satisfaction. Please visit us at Apple iTunes and give us a rating so we can continue to offer you awesome interviews and content each week. No More Mondays. New episodes drop every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Career Benders Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit our website at careerbenders.com. That's careerbenders, B as in boy, S as in Sam.com. This is your host, Angie Callen, signing off. Until next week, when we chat with another inspired, confident professional. 